Hi, I'm Roy Cram from Revelation Trust and welcome to Gospel Entrepreneurs. In this podcast, I'll be finding out what makes Christian entrepreneurs stand out wherever they find themselves. I'm thrilled today to be joined by a great friend, someone who I've come to know, respect, appreciate, value. She's a lot of fun. She's doing some amazing stuff. It's the Reverend Celia Apeje Collins. Welcome, Celia. Thank you so much to my good friend and brother, who I pay very well to say those nice things about me. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, Roy. I would say them if you weren't paying me. I would just say them. They're, they're amazing, Celia. You are amazing. No, no I, I get a lot of inspiration for so many wonderful people around, including you, Roy. Thank you so much for your kind words. And, and Celia, just tell us a bit about yourself. I know a little bit about you. I know you got links into Ghana. You set up a foundation here for young entrepreneurs and leaders. So tell us a bit about you, Celia. Well, I love Jesus. I'm very passionate about the kingdom. I'm very passionate about kingdom culture and see it established in every sphere of society. That's what I live for. So I had an organization called the Rehoboth Foundation International that has roots here. And we also have an office in Ghana. And particularly, it has three arms. So there's a mentoring and a development arm for leadership at every strata of society and for every kind. And then there's the Young and Emerging Leaders Forum that focuses on emerging leaders, particularly millennials, that help develop leadership in them now rather than later. That has very little to do with posts, but has everything to do with influence. Yeah. And then we have what we call the Zion's Hill. Zion's Hill is also a global movement that is a global intercessory movement that has both clergy and secular leaders praying for the nation. So we have, again, we have three thrusts in Zion's Hill, which is we pray for politics and governance. We pray for the economy and business. And then we pray for the church at large and its influence in the nation. And of course, Rebel Foundation itself also has an advocacy and humanitarian effort called Jesus Cares. So again, we look after the poor. We we deal with uh, poverty issues, not just feeding people, but again, empowering people, raising entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs of every kind. We're trying to build a clinic at the moment. We do health initiatives. We, Celia, we well stop, so stop. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. What do you do in your spare time? I can't believe. It's too much spare time I have. I look after my grandson. I'm a full-time grandma too. <laughs> so so that, that's what we're about. That's what we're about. It's very little. It's a drop in the ocean, but we believe that it makes a difference. Yeah, and obviously I know some of the things you do. I really want to drill down a little bit on millennials and gospel entrepreneurs. What makes someone, he may be listening, she may be listening to this. What do you look for in someone that you would recruit to be part of the foundation or to be a gospel entrepreneur? What's their core? What's in them that that kind of you want to draw out, Celia? Well, I believe that everybody was born with a gift. I mean, our designer and creator is the God of purpose and intent. And everything he does, he looked and he said it was good. So you create a thing with an end in mind. It's an end product by which you can judge standards. And I think everybody created had something great, unique inside of them to contribute to the flourishing of society. And particularly, I think gospel entrepreneurs are more inclined that way. They're more purposeful that way. 
they're more intentional that way. They, whereas an ordinary entrepreneur would just look at the profit side, maybe keep it for themselves. Gospel entrepreneurs don't do that. They're looking at the way in which it can touch humanity. They look at legacy. Their values are driven by God values. And I think that's a distinction that we make They're right there in a world where it's a dog-eat-dog world, where it doesn't matter. It only matters about the end. Gospel entrepreneurs care about the process. I think gospel entrepreneurs leave, they model something for the rest of the world. I love that. I think Jesus had gospel entrepreneurs in mind when he talked about leadership in Matthew 20. And he talked about, this is how the world does it, but this is how you will do it. I think we need the you will do it to model something for the world. Everybody copies somebody. So why don't we be the ones that are copying? We don't have a choice in that. So it's about values and value creation. It's about processes. It's about leadership and strategy and how we even lead and influence. But I, like I was saying, the gospel entrepreneur represents Christ. It is always looking for the peace and prosperity or the culture to be impacted by what they do. So they, it's very sacrificial too. It's a lot of risk, but why not? Because the people are worth it and our God is worth it and we know we have backup. Yeah, and the reality is praying for the peace and prosperity of your town, your city is a biblical mandate. It's, it's what we're called to do, isn't it? Yes. I'm interested that- But it doesn't say, end with prayer. He starts with prayer because I think prayer, first of all, I think we look at prayer as in bringing a petition to God, but there's impartation in prayer. I think once you get before God, it was Paul who says that while we behold God, we are transformed into the same image. So whilst you're praying for your city, um, Corinthian Boone says, is it possible that God would involve you in the answer? And I yeah. think that's exactly where we belong, that God involves us in the answer. And the gospel entrepreneur realizes that if our culture is going to change, if our economy is going to progress, if people are going to have basic human amenities that change their life a little bit, it's up to me. So that's another thing. The gospel entrepreneur takes some degree of responsibility for what happens within their community. Yeah, I love that. And you say the disciples were entrepreneurs and the Matthew passage, they were probably millennials as well. In they reality. were millennials. Listen, their leader himself was a millennial. I love that. JC was a millennial, man. And he brought such global change, eternal change. That's what I like to say to millennials. You can do it. God chose the best who haven't have had their senses, their conceptions, their perspectives jaded by past losses. You know, you and I were old, so we can recount the good, the bad, and the ugly. And all of those things inform our perspectives. When you're young, you can take on the world. You know what? You fail, you get up like a child. You don't know. No, no. My grandson, don't fall, don't do that. He just gets up, brushes it, and I'm more worried than he is. So I think there's something about millennials for the now. I think there's something about the Joshua. It's very important to notice that Moses was, was the one who brought the plan together, but the executor man was a millennial called Joshua. So I think there's something right now for millennials to do and us to position ourselves where we are empowering them to do what they can do best. And, and they give energy to us old boys as well. Of course so they do. They give energy, they give language. Do you think then that God had something in mind when he said old men would bring dreams, but young men would have vision? And I think there's something about our dreams. So you can dream, but somebody can take that dream and make it into a vision because yeah. vision is an actual destination. Whereas a dream can be a wish, it can be just a picture that you have, but there's an arrowhead. As soon as an arrowhead is given to a dream, it becomes a vision. And I think that's what the millennials do best. And they create something out of nothing. The entrepreneur 
sees a need and, and thinks, well, it doesn't have to be that way. Let, let, let's find a way to change it. It doesn't have to be that way. That's it's right. part of a kingdom value that they can bring. You've got an amazing story about coconuts, Celia. You know that transformation starts with a holy discontent for the status quo. Let me repeat that. All transformation starts with a holy discontent for the status quo. Right. So, and, and uh, there's a lot that we see that we must hate. And when that comes up, don't worry about everything else. Creativity will pour out as opportunity presents itself the moment you become sick of the situation. So I don't like soft drinks much. And um, in Ghana, I had this coconut chap come. He used to come for my brother and my sister. So I noticed him come and go. He had a wheelbarrow full of coconuts, dirty t-shirt, kind of shy. So I engaged him in conversation and I asked what his name is. He told me. So I said, oh, you're Mr. So-and-so. And he said, no, I'm not. And I said, but you're a male. You're Mr. Aren't you? He said, no. I said, tell me about your education. So he had an education that was nearly, it wasn't quite O-levels, but it was just before O-levels. So I just thought something is wrong with this guy, not mentally, but something is wrong with the way he perceives himself. And so we carried on the Which conversation. Which is a key, said, a key factor, actually. The way you see yourself is really important in the impact you have, isn't it, Celia? Of course, because nobody can live consistently in a way that is inconsistent with how they see themselves. So he just thought himself as a failure, a loser, poor. So he's even denying that he's a mister, something that has to do with his gender and has nothing to do with his status because he's lost dignity. And that's one of the reasons I hate poverty because it robs people of their God-given dignity and robs them of hopes. And when you lose hope, you can't change anything. And so one of the things that even gospel entrepreneurs do is because we start with from nothing and with nothing and we push ahead, we give hope to other people. That's a very powerful thing. Once people lose hope, then you can't change anything. Anyway, so we're chatting and I say to him, how much do you earn? And he tells me how much he earns. And I say, well, you're a businessman, aren't you? He says, no, you're not a businessman. I said, as we say in Ghana, are you dashing me? This It means that you giving me this thing for free. He says, no, I'm not giving you. I said, so there's a transaction. Here's my money and here's your coconut water. He says, yes. So I asked him, I said, if I bought you another wheelbarrow and I filled it with coconuts and you have friends, he said, yes. He says, so I mentioned another area. I said, you are in you can go to Adabraka. He can go to Koko Mlimli and sell. And then at the end of the day, he brings you the profits and you split with him or you give him some. You see, I said, then immediately you become a businessman. His eyes lit up, his face changed. So I said, come to my house. I'm giving you, and don't you come in a dirty t-shirt ever again. I was tough. I said, you're educated. You don't have to go around with your dirty clothes. We have a, a saying where I come from, say, when you're sitting on a crazy horse, that doesn't mean you should act crazy too. And your circumstances have pushed you here, but you don't have to acquiesce to your circumstances. See, his mentality was reflected in his whole disposition and his clothing, and I was trying to change that. So he avoided me for a few weeks, and then one day he came in, hoping I wouldn't be there because he didn't see my car, and then he came in and I nabbed him and said, tomorrow I want to see you. And he finally, he came to the house, we sat at the table, and he was odd because that's another thing that we do. Changing lives is not just an abstract thing. It's giving people hope. It's making people feel human again and worth it. He couldn't believe that a perfect stranger had called him. We sat at the table. And the first thing I asked him is, what's your vision? What do you want out of life? It wasn't about me pushing anything down his throat. There's a reason why people are, why they're at. And so 
I was surprised. He had so many plans for his life. And I said to him, okay, write this down. How much is it going to cost for the wheelbarrow? Finally, he says, I don't want a wheelbarrow. I want what we call a truck. I know where I want to be situated. There's an office block. They're my clients. He had dreams. All he was hoping was for somebody to help him unlock it and resource it. To cut a long story short, he wanted a uniform. He had his corporate colors. Everything, everything was locked up. This is what we do. The, I don't know who was more so excited. He, he already had all that in his head. He just needed somebody to unlock it. This is what happens when you create. What, this is what gospel entrepreneurs do. They unlock creativity, dreams, purposes. He didn't need my labor. He just needed me to hold his hand. He needed give him to, permission. Give him, give him permission. Give him permission to permit himself to do what he can always do. And so we found him a business coach, you know, somebody that would make sure that he's okay, talk to him a little bit about business. You know, all of this doesn't have to be a long formal thing. You know, we started from where we were, make sure that he'd opened an account. And, you know, just, I kept my eye on him. So I did the mentoring bits. Other people also did business coaching, just encouraging, just being there. Changed this whole guy's life. He started, I would ask him what he needed. Just simple tools for his yeah. trade. And you know what? He used to sleep on somebody's veranda, as we call it. Didn't have a place of his own, but had family in the village. So one time we sat down and I said, so how is the, how's your son? How's your wife? He said, hey, scratching his head, hey, mommy, he calls me mommy. <laughs> mommy, I just bought a quarter plot and I built something on it. Wonderful. When we started, that wasn't the dream. That wasn't hope. I could tell you many stories of people who are just bread sellers, people who were started out begging for money, who we bought popcorn machines for, and yes. so that they could just have a living. You know, people don't need to beg. They don't want to beg. They no, they don't. Everybody has a dream. God made us that way. And I guess as a gospel entrepreneur, that's what I do best, is empowering people to help live their dreams. And I get more excited. But you know what? They add value to their community economy. You know what? Whether they're an orange seller, we do so with what we call kinky sellers, like door sellers. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. You know, sometimes maybe a hundred dollars, even fifty dollars can change people's lives. And I, I want to thank Kiafan for that because that's another thing right, that I was exposed to many years ago when I first went to Cambodia. Fifteen dollars for a woman to buy fertilizer to grow mushrooms changed their whole lives. Even domestic violence was decreased because there's less argument about money. And it's a small seed. And what you discover, and I found this in talking to people here in the UK, and maybe you're listening to this. I often say to people, what do you care about? Because what you care about, you'll want to change. You'll want to, it's a kind of motivational piece. You work with church leadership and how does a church leader who maybe listen to this here on UCB, can they be more entrepreneurial? Many of them are pastoral and kind of teacher. What, what do you think about church? You do a lot with church leadership, Celia. Yes. I think what scares church leadership is that they think that it's polluting ministry. But I say that, you see, you don't have to do everything yourself. Start something. So when I started what I'm doing, and I'm a church minister too, what it did was there was a domino effect. And that's what I say about modeling something. Other people caught the vision. So they began to do it on their streets too. They began to look out for people that they could help. I can't help the whole world, but if I start with somebody as a flame, and that's what we can do. But also to the church leader that says, uh, 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 I can't even begin. This is too much for me. Well, 
Think about the people that sit in your congregation all the time. 99% of people have the potential to be gospel entrepreneurs. Some are struggling with jobs. Maybe a church can take, allocate a fund and say, let's train people and start them slowly. Maybe we can resource them. Maybe even if you can't, you can encourage some of your congregation members to do so. Maybe we can test their products. Maybe they can run their ideas through us. We set up a little task force to make sure that's done. So there's just so much you can do to add to this whole movement. You understand what I'm saying? We're not asking the church to take its funds and go invest something. If your constitution doesn't allow you to do so, that's fine. But what you are is you're an enabler. Every yeah. minister is an enabler. And God brought the need right at your doorstep because he knew you could do something about it. But don't let it be a solo thing. I don't do this thing as a solo thing. It'd be a disappointment. I do this thing as a team thing because I work with business people. I happen to mentor bank CEOs and so on. So I get ideas. I refer people to them. I say, how do we do this? That's how it is. It's a team. It's collaborative. And everything that doesn't have to be a formal way. But if you're a minister, I'm saying you'll have responsibility beyond the prayer. You're praying for people to get jobs. You're praying for the economy. How do we fuse the both? We fuse the both by actioning something. And how do we action something? There's always people that God has brought you in your congregation. Let's put it out there and say, listen, we want to form a gospel entrepreneur coalition, you know, of people who have experience, who can share their experience, of people who can coach people, of who people who have money to invest. And suddenly, oh, there's going to be a buzz in church because there are a lot of business people sitting in our church feeling used. They can do beyond ushering. They're not affirmed by the church either. They're not affirmed. Uh, only when they bring their money. But they're useful. <laughs> Think of all that experience sitting down there. You know what? May I share my idea of how leadership really is? And I always like to explain it in, in the form of a conductor, that a minister, a leader, is like an orchestra conductor. He doesn't need to know how to play every instrument. That's not his job. His job is to produce music. Yeah. So he knows how the music ought to sound. Now his job is to look for people who can make that dream happen. So he looks for a saxophonist. He looks for a clarinet player a bassist, an organ player. He puts a violin player and he gives them what the music ought to sound like. They interpret it through the use of their expertise on their instruments. And all he does is amalgamate the different noises that are being made, the different flows of music, and he makes beautiful music. He gives meaning to them. He allows them to be creative. That's his job. And they yeah. come alive but he's the one who holds it all together. So if you're a minister, don't be intimidated by, I can't do finances. I can't. You don't have to, just look for the people. Connect them with the people who have the need. Connect them with the people who have the expertise in business. Connect them with the people who understand the community and the opportunities that are. And by the time we finish, we will have a strong, strong kingdom force that is not irrelevant. It's relevant because economies touch lives. And if I may just even quickly add this, I've just been looking at some figures. I'm very interested in prisons. And as I looked at prisons, I realized how much we spend per annum, over 43,000 pounds per annum on each prisoner, okay? Over 118 pounds, I think, at the last thing that I checked, per week per prisoner. I'm thinking this is money that's taken away from housing that is needed. This is money that is taken away from health centers that could be built. And so much improving education. But you know what? The reason I'm saying this is that 
a lot of prisoners come from bad educational backgrounds. They come from dysfunctional homes. And then, of course, recently we realized it's all, always on the TV. McIntyre is saying one of five murders are committed by ex-offenders. So what I'm trying to say is that when we ignore certain things, we ignore education, we ignore economics, we ignore this, we have to pay the price at the end. So once the church ignores one aspect of influencing society, it has an influence on everything else and we all suffer. So really, when we talk about gospel entrepreneurship, the answer is we don't have an option, sir. What you avoid today, you're gonna to be praying about tomorrow. Now, with my prayer team, I've said, we're taking, we're canceling things off. How we cancel things off is that we see answers. We don't have to be praying about the same things every day. God answers prayer. And what I'm challenging is that every time he says, pray, in Isaiah 50 years, he says, but you're praying, but you're, you're ignoring some stuff that you ought to ignore. <laughs> you know, in Jeremiah, he says, pray for those communities, but I want you to set investments in place. I want you to be investors. So prayer goes with things, and the things that we don't do today, we'll be praying about tomorrow. Absolutely. And that, that's where you take, as we started, with the kingdom values, where you say, that isn't right, and that needs to change. So I'm praying in accordance with God's will, because that's a kingdom value. Yeah. And then I'm fulfilling that prayer, because my heart is changed, I care, and I'm going to make a real difference. And to do that, you have to be entrepreneurial, because you, you can't do to. it the way you do it. It's also about their thinking. As a man thinketh, so he outlives his life. As I tell my leaders all the time, leader is as leader thinks. There's something about an entrepreneur. They're passionate. They are. They won't stop till they see change. They know this is risky, but they got to do it. You know? And they hit obstacles, but they find a way through it. They'll find a way through it. They'll find a way. I, you know, as a young, before I even started to think about entrepreneurship and all of those things, I was in school in Ohio many, many years ago, in 1993. <laughs> and, you know, I remember driving through, I can't remember whether, but we were on our way to New York and, and, and I was driving. I noticed that, I don't know whether it was Philadelphia or something, I can't remember, I'm sure it was Philly, but they had mountains and the people had tunneled through the mountain. When they couldn't tunnel through the mountain, they made a bridge over the mountain. When they couldn't make a bridge over the mountain, you had to go, there was an orbital way of going around it. But somehow they needed to get from one end to the other. That's what entrepreneurs do. They're like bulldozers. They don't hear calm. Correct. They keep trying and trying. At least if you're listening to us, give it a try. Listen, I couldn't tell you how many times I've failed, how many times I've questioned my sanity. Why, how many times I've questioned my calling? How many times? But I think God gets upset more if we give up too soon because you have an enabler. You, they support behind you. When you fall, you fall on, on everlasting arms. You know, we seek God for answers. And even if not for you, he'll do it for the people who have to benefit for society, for community, because what an entrepreneur does is, is always beneficial for other people. And that is the example we set also for society. We're not selfish. The gospel doesn't allow us to be. We get to enjoy the legacy of what we leave behind. Yeah. But it's always for the people that are needy and for the glory of our king who rules over the affairs of men and who uses men to meet the needs of his kingdom upon the earth. Celia, you're almost coming into land there. You're almost in preaching mode. But just as we kind of draw things to conclusion, people may be listening to this and they kind of heard what you've said. Obviously, 
you and I both had people that came alongside us that believed in us. You did that with the coconut man. You're now doing that with people. Is there some final thought or word that you'd love to say to people on gospel entrepreneurs, on leadership, on where we are? The great stories, great energy. Obviously, it's not an easy ride, but it is an amazing ride. What would you want to say in conclusion, Celia? This is your moment. People, do we have another choice? We don't. It starts with a sense of purpose. I'm on the kingdom for something. And I'm at this time on the earth for such a time as this. Believe in the God who called you. Believe in yourself. Remember, you don't have to do it all by yourself. You may have an idea. I really believe in collaboration. I do nothing by myself because I'm not as clever as Roy is making you think. But when you bring me next to other people who have other things, we all look good, sound good, because we produce things together. There's two things I want to say, because that's always our help. We feel helpless. So I want to talk to the helpless people, because I always feel helpless. I always feel like, uh, this little thing that I have, what difference can it make? It can make a difference when you hook it up with somebody else. So yeah. I want to talk about two things very quickly. It's about collaboration. I always say this, Esther had her mouth, Queen Esther had her mouth next to the king's ear, but had nothing to say. Really, she had nothing to say to him, but she had opportunity and she had the positioning and the placement. Now there's another guy called Mordecai, who really is my hero. He's full of wisdom. He, he has all of these ideas. He has the facts. He, he has the intel. The guy has the intel, but he sits outside the gates and hasn't got opportunity nor access. When the two of them get together, the one with the access with nothing to say, See, you don't look down on what you don't have. Everybody has something. Yeah. Okay. And it feels like I, even my positioning, the opportunity I have right now, even though I don't know what to do with it, is valuable only when I get together with somebody else. So she gets together with the person who has the facts and the rest is history. They change the trajectory of a whole nation Amazing. just because they got together. Otherwise, the nation would have perished, if, you know, or God would have found somebody else. And by the way, if you don't, God will find somebody else. Okay. And the second thing is, I love gardening and I love the idea. I came across a concept called companion planting. And for the gardeners out there, they'll know about this, where you plant a rose next to a garlic, next to garlic. Because what happens is there's some aphids that attack the rose, some insects, but the smell of the garlic puts off these insects. Who would have ever thought that it would make sense, an incongruous thought like putting garlic next to a rose? You know, but once you put them together, the rose probably think, oh, how dare they put the garlic next to me? But the garlic adds value by putting off these insects and the rose adds value by making the garlic look good. You probably smell good too. There's nothing in the economy of God that is wasted. We just need to get together. Maybe you, all you have is an idea. There's somebody who can interpret that idea. There's somebody who can put a roadmap to your ideas. Yeah. So when you're praying, pray for help. I never pray for money first. I pray for people. Yeah. Because people, people bring what will bring the money. People bring the opportunities. People bring the open doors. People bring, somebody might not have money. They might not have any creative ideas. But my God, they have bulldog tenacity when it comes to intercession. They'll pray the gates down for you. They'll pray the doors open down for you. I believe in God and I believe in people. So look up and ask God to show you which way to go horizontally with people. May God connect you with people as you listen to me. May God connect you with people who will encourage you, who will interpret your dreams. He will say, don't stop there. 
if you're listening to me and you're in bed and thinking, I've been looking for a job for many years, I've filled in a hundred applications, maybe it's time to start something, an initiative. There are many grants around. If you're also listening to me and you're resourceful, maybe you have a, you've sold your house, maybe you're a pensioner, what are you going to do with all that money? You know, you might, what are you going to do with all that money? It's true. Invest it in somebody, give it to them as a loan, 10 year loan, something. And you see, this is how we make gospel happen upon the earth. We have a mandate that says, thy kingdom come. But remember, thy kingdom come through me, through Amen. you. And all the little bits when we join it all together. So if you're there and you're listening to me, everybody has something to offer. Connect. If you're a minister listening to me, the church, the local assembly is a great focal point for connections to make kingdom happen. God bless you. The God who stretches forth his hand to do a thing and nothing can stop him. The God who smiles upon you with favor and causes incredible doors to open. The God was promised that once you start, he will make it happen. If you can trust in a step, he will finish it in conclusion. The Lord smile upon you incredibly. As we go into new seasons, may you experience fresh grace. I could go on and on. You know that. You could. Celia, you're on a roll. And I was kind of saying amen and amen in my heart. I didn't hear that. (laughs) I was selective hearing. And I didn't hear you say amen. Maybe my ear didn't want to hear. Thanks so much, Celia, for joining me today. And I don't know what you thought, but you can't come away from this without feeling inspired, encouraged, that God's in you and he's for you. And you may have a seed of an idea. You may have something that God's placed, even as you've been listening to us. Let it take root. See what God will place in your hand and see what God will do. And Celia, it's been a joy. It always is. Thank you. Same here. Thank you so much, Roy. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks, Celia, for joining me today. This is the last episode. I know. Can't believe it in the series. So if you've enjoyed it, we would love you to leave a review if you can. This series may be ending, but make sure you keep an eye on the UCB player app or on this feed wherever you're listening for more gospel entrepreneurs that will be coming very soon. Thank you for listening today. And remember to share the whole series with your friends. Gospel Entrepreneurs is a UCB podcast in partnership with Revelation Trust. Great to be with you.